Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I am, of course, continuing these webinars, and today is Friday. Friday is one of those days where you just don't quite know what's going to happen. Usually, these guys show up on Monday, but we put them on Friday because next week I only have one because I am actually going down to South Carolina to do the Sharon May Davis anatomy dissection class, which I am so ramped about. And so um, we, we did three webinars this week because we're only going to do one next week because I'm going to be gone. Okay, so that said, today we have Sharon and Laura Wilsey. Welcome, guys. They're back for their umpteenth millionth webinar with me, um, which is great. I just love having these guys as guests. Um, we kind of just roll with it. If you are tuning in for the first time, I highly recommend you go to their playlist, which is on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, and watch some of the earlier uh, webinars to kind of, otherwise you kind of might feel like you're walking into the middle of a story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and today, since we um, were uh, were unscripted, not that we're ever really scripted, but today we're completely nope. unscripted. So uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for tuning, joining me today. <laughs> <laughs> it's Freaky Friday. Yes, it's definitely Freaky Friday. Yeah. It was like 50 degrees this morning, and now it's dropped down to like 30, and it's snowing. So it it's there's definitely like it's very uh, there's a lot of up it's and down all over the place yeah, yeah. But it's we're okay. getting wind and we were 62 degrees last night and i think we're i don't know what we are now but um and then i don't know if you've been paying attention to the weather over in the uk they're getting like hurricane force winds with um it's 122 kilometers 60 no 100 kilometers is 60 mile an hour so we're looking at 80 mile an hour winds over there um, yeah and it's and it's hitting the netherlands so you know when you have that kind of wind movement yeah energy is moving right and so yeah, indeed. never know oh we can talk, we can do that um Shut so why don't you guys just do a brief intro about horse speaks for those who might be tuning into this webinar or watching it later and don't know anything about horse speak and then we'll go from well, there. one okay. thing is our first show is going to well be... let's just say okay. i'm laura wilsey this is sharon wilsey and we're the co-creators of a thing called horse speak which is based on the book called horse speak the equine human translation guide and so basically sharon who has a very gifted brain and Thank a photographic you. memory was able to decode how horses are communicating with each other using their body. And then how we can imitate, imitate, not, I was going to say emulate, emulate and imitate, imitate together at the same this, this time. Emulate. Emulate. <laughs> it's a new word. <laughs> we're good on their that. body language, even though we're vertical beings being human. And we, you know, obviously we mostly communicate with our verbal language. But when you start learning horse speak, then you begin to notice all of the subconscious gestures, postures, and signals that you're using with your body. Anyway, anyway, you're already yeah. doing it. So I just learned something that I didn't know before. You, you have a photographic memory, Sharon? Yes. It, what's the difference between eidetic, which of course Sheldon talks about, and photographic? Mm, I know it, but I don't know it enough to give a definition. Oh, okay. I know it in a gestalt way, but not enough to do the a correct. So they are two different things. There, there's a difference. Okay. I think there, there, there's, a, there's a way that they that they uh, connect, but there's a way that they're different. Oh wow. Okay. So that's because uh, Big Bang Theory is one of our favorite shows, and um, <laughs> you know, so that. Well, specifically, my my memory does. In, there's a specific term for it, which I also don't have the term memorized. So I memorize, no, I, because of words, memorizing words is different than memorizing events. So oh. I memorize events and I have a, a kind of memory that does, um, it's almost it's, like, wait, 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 wait. It's, it's got a very specific term to it. I wish I could. It's like pattern recognition to, to such a degree. So like, um, patterns that, it's kind, of, it's kind of like a fractal, like a fractalization of, of orders. And so orders of things, systems of things, and how those system, how this system actually connects to that. So there's a system here and a system there, and there's a connective piece between them. And then as you connect the two systems, there's more things that line up until perhaps between them is actually a third system that, that surfaces because you've connected the two. It's a little bit like... Um, 
quantum physics does, I have a friend who's a, a quantum physicist and we were talking about, he was like, how did you do the, the, um, the research that you did? And he's like, oh, well, that's how quantum physicists do work too. He's like, it's the same processing. And that's what he told me. He was like, oh, that's a specific kind of brain. And I was like, oh, cool, great. But I don't remember the precise um, description of the brain. Well, we always so, knew you were special. Yeah, I have a, <laughs> well, and what I, like my picture of her brain is, unfortunately, like, I'm sorry, you have such a, something in your eye, yeah. is like, she can, it's almost like she remembers still shots. Yeah. And her precision on like remembering, do you remember when he did a go away face and yeah. did a, a foot stomp and then like shook it off and then went and talked to that mayor? Like the exact and specific moments, it's like, it's profound to be me, which I don't have that kind of brain. And I'm like, <laughs> but if it's a high, high energy moment or there's a like a big emotion that hits me in regards to like some of these particular events, then yeah, I can remember it. And that's for most people. I think our memory really does get triggered by an emotional impact versus like moment to moment to moment. You can remember all these things. Yeah. And like her like, date record, like dates and times for her right. stuff that has to do with numbers, with linear, like numbers, semantic th um, things, things that, that most people are really good at. I'm not that my brain did not favor those things. So I actually have like a number dyslexic and numbers don't appear in my head. So it's really hard for me to work. I love math, which is ironic because math is logic. So yeah. I love math, but I have to do it with a calculator. Like I love calculus because that was like all, you know, logic and, and it does all that kind of stuff. And it's just like remembering the right thing for the right thing. Hey, do you but, know how I got through calculus? No. I was, I failed most of the tests. I think I got to be, and I went to my prop and I said, I can't do this. And he said, all you have to do is actually do the work on the final and your grade is only based on the final exam. So my boyfriend at the time crammed me on just doing it, not trying to figure out how it works. And I ah. did and I quit. I, I knew where I was at. It was like done, you know, got my grade, got out. It was like, yeah. oh. Passed with a D. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's, but for me, like calculus is like really heavy in, in, in pattern recognition. So, or, or geometry, especially advanced geometry, it's all pattern recognition. So once you get into that realm, my brain just lights up like a Christmas tree. It's like pattern recognition. And that's what horse speak is really all about right. is recognizing the repeatable patterns. Like when a horse goes into a new environment, typically they go There's around sets of patterns the edges that they do, right? to check it out. You know, and then maybe they'll go into the middle or if there's a person there, they'll go check in with the person. And if there's a group of horses, there are predictable patterns that the group will take. So then it's a group mind and it's quite predictable that someone in that group will take this aspect and that aspect and this aspect, unless there's a member of that group of horses who's unable to do that task and then they'll compensate. So then for me, the fun part is like, well, what kind of compensation was it? What were the variables? How did they compensate? Why went, do other groups with that similar arrangement compensate in a similar way? Do they do the same kind of um, uh, reaction to the variable? And if they do, so there's an if then, so if they do, then what would we find useful in that knowledge so that we could interact in a helpful way? Because the bottom line is, yeah, I love solving riddles and puzzles because I just like to sit in my head and go, wee, but that's not necessarily helpful to other people <laughs> unless I can bring it down to a small place and, and involve say, others and involve other people <laughs> and say, so you can go to boogeyman corner and go, Phew, and that should help. And when I, you know, and like the reasons why that should help, there's lots and lots and lots, but most people don't care. They just are like, I just want my horse to feel better. So having a few simple patterns that people can, can, that can see happening, like we have our academy now. So the first level of the academy is just teaching people the basic patterns that you're going to see, um, typical things, what we call green zone interactions, which is a horse that's is able to have pretty decent interactions with the person. And this, these Versus are the, the red zone, which would be a shutdown horse, which would be a shutdown <laughs> horse, which somebody said, can we talk about a shutdown horse? So then you're going from that's like using language to speak to someone versus using language in a therapy setting 
you know, like a, like a suicide hotline or something like that, you're using language, but you're using it in a very precise way, which there's patterns of communication when you're dealing with a traumatized person. Exactly. And so words that you want to stay away from. Right. So dealing with a red zone horse is a bit like being, you know, using social worker language or therapy language, because you're dealing with a horse that can't hear you otherwise. So you, there's really specific patterns for that, which tend to be very successful. So even a person who doesn't have a lot of the the horse speak language under their belt, um, they can learn a few key things that I've been able to figure out is a way to go, whoa, 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 horse, I'm here for you. Let me, I want to listen to you. And that in and of itself, in most cases, not all, but most cases is enough for the horse to stop and say, really? Great. So, so let me just see if I can kind of put this a bit together. So your ability to have a photographic memory where you literally have like taken snapshots of what you've seen horses do has allowed Mm -hmm. you to create almost a card file that you've then organized into repeatable patterns. And so it's by saying, okay, I have a hundred pictures, but I've seen 10 patterns and I'm going to put the pictures into those 10 patterns. And, oh, look, I have five over here, but this one's in two patterns. And, Mm -hmm. and so you've been able to categorize it and and then look at what how we can express what the horse is saying or what we need to say to the horse based on what you've seen the interactions on these card files that you've organized you got it indeed awesome yeah that's really cool because that um that now you know like i've known you guys for a long time but we haven't had this particular conversation so that really helps understand like you've told me how you got here and the things you did and what you watched but this is a different level of understanding of how you've been able to create this process. Right. Um, because most people, I, you know, like I teach a lesson and I walk away and it's like, it's gone. I did it. It's done. You know, somebody might remind, Hey, that lesson you gave me was the best. Lesson. It's like, good. <laughs> yeah. um, right. And I yeah. remember, I remember patterns of what I taught, but I don't remember people and horses and individuals that I've worked with. That's my problem is it's once I'm done, it's gone. And if I don't have, you know, something to like bring it back, you know, I'm on to the next thing. And that's why it's for sharing. It's important. And I've been really trying to do my best so that I'm staying present in the moment and watching and listening and dissecting as much as I can take in as fast as I can take it in because being in the moment with a horse, things are happening so quickly. And that's where Sharon is so gifted to be like in it with her, but she needs to talk about the experiences for her to then work with the filing system that she has in the categories. And this happened with this personality of horse and this type of person. And then you throw in like the variables of the people, the people. And then that's the whole thing, because then you have to look at the person. How is their body posture? What is, what are they doing with their hands? What, you know, so then how do you take the mold a person into being able to mold in their personality and mold it with the horse in their personality? Right. And then in both the horse and the person have a, have a set of experiences. So I've also branched and try to understand the, the, the most common types of horse training, the most common things like the, the typical thing, the top, I would say the top 20 to 25 uh, systems of riding and horse training that are out there. I have memorized, I would, I'm not an expert of any of them, but I have them memorized right. so that if I encounter someone that's like, well, I did, um, you know, I, I did cattle rides in, in uh, um, Arizona or have someone else that's like, I do uh, this specific kind of dressage and I went to France and I learned it there. I'm able to go, I got it. I got it. I get, I, I, I gestalt, I get the brunt of your experience or the brunt of this horse's training experience. And from there we can deconstruct and reconstruct. And that's also because the horses I was working at at the rescue, there was about a hundred horses there at a time. And we had every kind of horse come through there with all kinds of backgrounds and training. So that motivated me to learn about the kinds of background and training because you'd see behavior coming out of a rescue horse that was really traumatized. And what's the trauma? What's the training? And does this training system have some inherent you know, bad juju in it that produces that kind of trauma? 
you know, what's the, what's the benefit of that training? What's the negative of that training? How did this horse's personality react to that training? So that I could sort of shortcut what I needed to do to, to take advantage of what, what the horse's training was that might've been useful, but also help them overcome what they might've experienced that was not good for them. Does that make yeah, sense? You know, that's, that's really fascinating. Cause I always say that for, for everything that we do, there's an upside and a downside. And if you right. don't recognize what the downside is, you could easily think, oh, this is really great. It's great for my horse, but it might've flipped over to the downside. Um, so it's just it, that it sounds like you've looked at a bunch of different systems to see there's the plus and the minus and how did this horse fit into that balance? Was it really working for this horse or was that the downside of that training system for this individual? Exactly. Exactly. Because every, every training system that I've looked at has its pluses and minuses and some, and some horses respond really well, or at least okay to a system and other horses respond terribly to the same system. And then it's also the individual trainer's interpretation of that system. Oh, yeah, that's a whole nother. Which yeah. is a whole other thing. But somebody's just, um, I know people are bringing up a lot of things and someone mentioned here about um, the horse was sniffing her, she had pain, she hurt her back. And she was wondering about pain recognition. And my, what I've studied about that is that horses are so finely tuned to the weaker members of the herd, whether they're in physical pain, whether they're in emotional pain, whatever, you know, if they're confused, they're lost, having had the benefit of getting to look at large groups of horses who were all at this rescue for a reason. And a lot of them had severe trauma, but we also had um, members that lived at the rescue forever. They were forever members. Um, and they happen to be elders and mentors. And so it was an incredible, an ability to study and watching how horses um, work with wounded members of the herd and try to fold them in or put them into a protected position and set them up to have a learning curve or a healing experience and what they would, how they would sniff them, how they would protect them. Or if two members that were both suffering in some way couldn't help each other, they would just fight with each other or just not go near each other. Like, I can't help you. You can't help me. So we can't even be near each other. And then you get two horses that can't settle. Right. Right. They're like bullying each other, but they're really like, I don't feel good in my body. I don't feel good in my body. We can't help each other. And we're just going to freak out because yeah. they can't settle. There's no mentor. And that's why sometimes it's great to have a third wheel in a horse herd so that there can be a mediator. Right. And also we can be the third wheel, yeah. which is the, the total amazing thing. We get people writing to us all the time. They learned a couple of things about having the mentor quality in your body language. And then you walk into, there's a few things you can do, like create a safety object or whatever. And as, then you're the presence that the horses were looking for, that they kind of circle their wagons around and go, okay, you're our guiding force. You're, we're sourcing information from you and you're, you're zero inside. That means you're calm inside and you project calm. And that's why there's, I've met through the years, um, barn staff who are like, they don't ride horses, they don't do, but they're just calm. They whistle all day and they can get any horse to do anything or get on the trailer or get his feet done or whatever. And they're like, how are you doing that? And they, I don't know. I just, I just talked to him. And we met a guy who actually came to a clinic who had a business trailering specifically Arabians in Florida. And he, that was his specialty because he could get any horse on his trailer. He never touched a horse before he started that business. Oh, wow. And he came to the clinic and he goes, now I know why. <laughs> I, you know, but I think about, you know, when I was a kid, you'd go into some of these stables and they would have these grooms that they were older, typically gentlemen, older gentlemen, just grounded, solid people um, that could just handle the horses and everything was, you know, so calm, so peaceful. And it was that grounding influence that, you know, that mentor horse person Yes. Told them all, Hey, you're, you're all in a good spot. Everything's okay. And then I've been in other barns where like you couldn't feed the horses enough. They were stressed and you could just 
pound the food into them and you know they but but you couldn't see anything visually like it wasn't like there was something screaming at you that it was just looking at the horses that you couldn't feed them enough right absolutely so we also teach people how to see horse behavior as as their communication system rather than we just typically get fixated on their acting out and we're like i don't want him to paw well, okay, that's the behavior that you're seeing. That's the end result of a long line of events. And we teach people to understand the long line of events because you can you can start problem solving. Why is that horse stressed to the point where he's acting out in this way? And when you can start interrupting all of those other stress points, which people usually don't recognize. Yeah. And mostly we're just, we're taught not to recognize. And we're like, who knows why horses just do what get they do? It just, get, just get through it. Just get on. Once you get on, it'll be fine. Cause you'll just, cause then you're, you've got all that pent up energy and stress and you just shape it. You just say, let's just go, let's work it off. And in some horses that that can work for them where they, at least when you're on them, they know what they're supposed to do. So they're in some way getting that mentor energy from certain riders. But on the ground, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of um, fourth level dressage horses that I helped to uh, deconstruct and reconstruct because they would win every, they were great. They would go up and down the Eastern seaboard and do all the big things, but they, the rider would get off and they get, they would bite them. They just turn oh, wow. around, bite them. Yeah. And, you know, so, and then, then the guy would punch him in the face. <laughs> That's a solution. That was not a solution. Believe me, I, I know that that can be considered a solution. I, I've watched something similar many, many, many years ago when I was in uh, handling thoroughbreds at the sales. Um, and, and I think that this is what we're looking at. You know, because we don't use horses, at least the, the average owner that we'd be talking to, um, use horses every day for a living, the, the the situation has evolved and the problem in many ways is that we've brought forward the old arcane kind of methodology but we're looking for a different relationship and so that's mm-hmm. where we're struggling because there's so much tradition in how we handle horses and and so it's that what are you smiling at that <laughs> Oh, the cat. I know the cat's great. We don't live with our horses like we live with our cats, for example. I mean, most of us would love to sit with our horse on our lap and do a webinar. I mean, can you imagine saying, I'm going to saddle this and ride it? (laughs) Do you know that their genes are not domestic? They are not domesticated creatures. They are. Well, uh, this cat and all of our kitties are. I know. Consider yeah. them domestic, but they're not domestic. Their genetics is not domestic. Yeah, that's it's, why it's cats. Well, yeah. So you. Anyway, so you, carry on. So I, no, I, I get what you're saying. There's these, there's this arcane, but there's also such a flip flop because the what we consider to be traditional is is a little bit messy even saying that word because we have pre-industrial revolution use of horses and post-industrial revolution use of horses and it's post-industrial revolution use of horses that we're now considering traditional work but that was a work in progress of how do we how do horse people make a living selling horses to a public that no longer needs them you have to generate the desire to want them which means you have to turn out pleasure horses and so they started breeding horses to be prettier and more, and they invented things like horse shows and 4-H because those things didn't exist before because yeah. you might have a horse race, but you didn't have horse showing. You had upper echelon uh, pavilion showing. We had the Olympics, you had things, but that was all related to the military. Right. So when you have post-industrial revolution, horsemanship, that's all cavalry based. Even the, um, the initial work in this country, ranching work, was ex cavalry member like looking for work. Well, we got all these cows. Let's you know start moving them around, you know. So that it was, it wasn't the thing that it is now. And that thing that it is now has has evolved out of the need for people having horses to still sell them and make a living. So a lot of other industries co-developed at the same time that didn't used to exist. So what we consider to be, you know, standard and traditional is is really baby. It's really young compared to the thousands of years of working horses, which had very strict. There were even guilds. There were horse training guilds all over Europe that were like all secret. 
you know, the bloodlines of horses were patented in secret. There's a lot of very intense um, training systems that, that were involved in higher levels of riding. And it was considered, you know, an art. It was like on par with going to a concert or, or an opera, you know, like it was a fine art. So there's, it's interesting to look at all that. And there's sort of a, in certain circles, there's a return to the looking at classical work or you go all the way back to Xenophon and he's, you know, he's a general um, and he's talking about raising cavalry horses. And his take was you should take all the new horses, the four-year-old horses, and they should get walked in hand by the grooms for two years. And that's their groundwork. There's no groundwork. There's just walk them. Just They're just attached to you. And whenever you got to go to the store, you take the horse with you. And that horse is just attached at the hip so that the horse would do two things. One, be exposed to everything, but not be expected to do anything about it. And two, learn that their human was the most important member of their society. And they would be more likely to stick to a person than be looking for other horses. Yeah. And so the idea of walking my horse to the grocery store, you know, I mean, it's like, mm, given that there's no grocery stores within 20 miles, first of all, Um, but, but it, but it tells you what it speaks of is the amount of time people were with their horse. And that's one of the major things that we're lacking nowadays is that, you know, we're not with our horse eight, 10, 12 hours a day. We're maybe with our horse an hour a day or two hours a day, or maybe not even every day. And so the, the whole social structure of the human horse connection is so different now. And so you know, it just brings up so many things that we're looking at and how can we as people be able to have that level of connection with our horse without having to quit our jobs, right? Without having to like um, spend all of our days at the barn um, or, you know, have our horses in our home. Um, right. So that's where things like horse speak can provide sort of a, um, a, a, a shortcut, if you will, yeah. to that, to the years and years and years that other people would have gone through starting as little kids. They would have grown up with the horses. They would have been around them all the time. How can we shortcut that process and achieve that kind of relationship? Um, and that's really what Horse Speaks does is it gives us these tools to communicate. It does, that, that is exactly it. It is the, the way to like, you know, we know when, when Joey does this, he wants that. When Joey does this, he wants that. And we know that because of living in the space together and he's nonverbal. We've tried our best, but he's still nonverbal. And, uh, you know, so if he knocks something off the counter, that means I want food. So we know that because of figuring it out. But like you said, we're not living with our horses. So they are doing behaviors. And we're like, I don't know what you want. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you need. I don't know why you're so stressed out. Aren't we having fun? I was having fun. Are you having fun? You know, and the horse is like, this is the interesting thing. So far in all the work that I've done, I've discovered that horses do like, unless they physically can't. So unless they have something actually wrong where it's causing them pain to be ridden or to drive or something like that, they like it. They like doing stuff with us. They like being, having us be proud of them. They like having a job to do. They like feeling um, sort of entertained, you know, they got something to think about, but they want to be able to pay attention to the job and not feel also like they have to um, be the protector of their human. And because of how horse systems work, they have an either or in their head. So if there's two horses I've never met and you throw them together, one of them's gonna be the protector. And let's say both of them can't, they're not that member of the herd, then they'll chase each other around all day trying to hide behind each other. Oh dear. (laughs) Right? So if you have a horse who is a stronger personality um, on some levels that might be satisfying because you feel like the horse is kind of solid and so forth, but that horse may have a tendency to take over because they're like, well, in the, in the herd of us too, it's I'm the protector because you don't see anything that I need protection from. So therefore I have to do the protection job and I might need to call the shots sometimes. And in a herd of two where one of the horses is absolutely not a protector, it's not even in his radar that he's looking to the human, are you going to protect me? And the human's like, I don't even know about it. Then that horse is like, I can't even be in my body. So when we're looking at 
um, deeper understanding of horses, it's also so that that kind of enriching experience, it's enriching to, to have, to share space with a horse and really understand them. But it's also really practical because it helps us to know who do I have in front of me and how do I help this particular animal to be here now with me so that I can get what I want from the situation. Cool. So, so very early on in the conversation, you mentioned the red zone. So can we go back to that and talk about what are the different zones that you have identified? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, with all these things, it's probably 200, but <laughs> I just say like, in like short. a traffic light, like green zone, green go. Right. And yellow is maybe, and red is like red zone, red light, stop, everything stops. So a horse in a red zone could be in a total panic. So on one side, or they could be in a total like aggressive fight for your life acting out, but they're in a total, they they flooded with adrenaline. They're not thinking anymore. They're not, they're completely in a, in reactivity, right? Or and then they're frozen. Or, or then you have your shutdowns. Yeah. Then yeah. you have your shutdowns that are totally frozen. But those guys, if they're totally frozen, but they're being exposed to stress, they usually, they go from imploding to exploding. Correct. Yeah. So what we want to be able to do is identify red zone in a horse because that's, you got nothing. You've got nothing to work with. There's nothing, there's nothing good is going to come out of it. And you have to get them at least up to a yellow. Yellow is mostly workable. And ideally you want horses, you know, interacting with us mostly from a green because that's when it's pleasant and it feels good. Horses will spend a lot of time working in a yellow zone, a lot of school horses or Horses that have just, you know, this is my job. This is what I do. They'll just go do their job. But internally, they're harboring like, you know, panic attack. So then one day at the drop of a hat, they, they lose it because it's like it built up to the level where they, they pop because internally they haven't been able to come back to homeostasis and their, their nervous system isn't really hitting a very good reset. They're, even when they go back to the field with their buddies, they're still kind of in that yellow. And if there's not a, a, a good, really intelligent, really um, sort of empathic mentor horse that can help them, or there is a mentor horse, but they don't know how to help them, then even though they go to the field, they're not actually getting the benefit of their time off. Because like you said, you can't feed them enough. They're just, they can't quite come back. And I think that's part of where I'm doubling, I'm going onto your side. I think that's part of where um, your desire to invent Surefoot came from was like, how can we help them? Because what I've been able to watch horses that are using Surefoot do is just that nervous system just starts switching. They start getting out of sympathetic, like quickly. And I wanted to mention something on here because I've had some people at clinics of mine using Surefoot and being like, but he won't stand on the pads. And then I've had to say, you don't have to stand on the pad. And it's just a big confusion. So I wanted to bring that up for a moment and just give voice to that, that they don't have to stand on the pads. Absolutely. And you know, the, the thing that, what that's showing you is that the horse isn't in balance, right? I mean, if the horse isn't staying on the pads, it doesn't mean it's not having an effect. And that's the other thing you have to realize. It doesn't that's, mean that's thing. That's it isn't thing. having an effect, but it means that there's something out that's out of balance that causes them to have to move, whether that's physical. And I've watched horses literally like fall sideways off a pad, right? or emotional, it, it brings up some horses, it brings up stuff and they don't know what to do with that feeling. Like, oh my God, this feels great. I can't handle that. Right. Um, or mentally, you know, I always talk about the seven F's of why horses walk off and it's flight, right. They, they get scared, fright, um, flies. That's a big one, right. Falling, um, following, they walk off because you've moved and they're like, oh, where are you going? Um, mm -hmm. and finished. And there's one more I've forgotten in there, but you know, the, the point is that to, to catalog, wow, that horse moved off. What is his response after he moved off? And can I see some cause of that? Was it that his buddy hollered and he went, Oh, where's my buddy? Or was it that he just simply, you know, fell forward. And the whole idea with Surefoot in that regard is for us to become better observers, to notice these things and go, wait a second, you know, maybe my horse really, I thought he was in the green zone, but he really isn't. Or right. the way I presented it, put him a bit in the yellow because I'm, I'm not neutral enough right. in my presentation. I have too great an expectation. Um, 
And so that's where it's, I know it's really hard for people to allow the horse to move off, but that is the point that if he moves off, he is out of some type of balance. And it's our job to then go, wow, that's really interesting. Do I see any of these other, these Fs that, you know, the flies, or maybe he, you know, got scared when he touched, he went, whoa, or, um, you know, he just followed me off because I moved away. And when we can start to recognize the, the, the potential reasons or the causes, then we can start to evaluate. But, you know, I've seen horses that literally didn't stand on a pad, like touched it and moved off and had complete and total change. Like that's the thing. I've seen that too. My, my, my horses have done, I have a few horses that will stand on it and you have to say that you need to be done now Yeah, <laughs> you have to come off the pads. And I have other horses that will touch a corner of a hoof to a corner of a pad boom, whoo, and then walk away and like shake all over. Yeah. Because as you've said, you know, their, their brain is built differently than ours. Yeah. And you know, we just, there's, there's sensory movement creatures and that foot is a sensory organ. And so, you know, we don't know. I mean, this is one of the things that for this whole time, what is it that is causing that kind of a change? How is it that that happens? And we, we don't have a good explanation. The beauty is we don't need it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like calculus. We didn't know how calculus worked for a long, 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 long time. We just used it. And then when we tried to figure out how it works, that's where I got all those Fs. <laughs> was in the theory. I couldn't do the theory, but you know, at the end of the day, I could do the test and do the, the calculations. And, um, it doesn't matter at this point, why we just know it does have an effect. Yeah. It's evidence-based research. Yep. Right. And what you're doing as well with doing surefoot is studying your observing, you're looking right. at pattern recognition, right. you're looking at the horse before, and During how are they moving after? Yeah. So you're trying to put in all these variables and just like everyone's an individual. Yep. So each horse is going to have, maybe they have their hawk is sore versus another horse is stifle or what have you. It's like, there's so many variables and we, in horse beef, that's what we're trying to put together as well is all these variables. So we can give you so many tools to be able to try something. And in the variables, there's the red, the green, and the yellow zones, and you do different things with different zones. And then again, throwing in the variable of the person. Right. Right. Yep. And that's what you're talking about with, if we don't, as a human, when you're watching a horse, that's why it was so fun. I know I'm coming back to this. Anyone who's heard us talking, sorry, because <clears throat> when we first met and you threw down those first set of pads for that horse, and I don't know what was going on, but I saw what the horse said about it. And then I saw you knowing what the horse said about it, but then I could just put words to it Yeah. because in that, in that case, you're not just having an experience and walking away. Your brain is going to get, to get, to get, to get, to get, to get, because this is your, you're passionate about you can, because of your, maybe because of your Feldenkrais background, you also have a very fine tuned eye for body mechanics, both in the rider in the horse. Like I've seen you teach riding lessons, it's phenomenal. You know, you, you do, you do things with us where you help us like, this is what the horse is experiencing. And so that inside out awareness, you're not looking at the outside, seeing what the outside's doing. You're aware of what the inside is doing and how it's causing an effect on the outside. Thanks. Um, yeah, and, and, that's, and, and that's also, okay. I just wanted to say more praise, more praise. Yeah. The <laughs> other thing with your glasses that you've created like to be at the equine affair oh, yeah. and notice the huge change mm -hmm. with the horses, with the rider, with the glasses with those, on with those glasses. versus not wearing the glasses. Mm -hmm. That was profound. Right. Yeah. And those with an untrained eye, I would assume could see the difference. Yeah. That was the lookup glasses. And you know, that was, it was so fun because poor Brad didn't have a clue what was going on. And the tsunami of people went around the corner and bought out the glasses in five minutes. And he was like, what happened? <laughs> I wasn't done with my demo. I was still teaching. <laughs> oh, no kidding. That's that so was really fun. Um, so somebody says it's helped me not to be attached to whether the horse steps on the pad, because I think when we get hopeful that he will step, that's when we lose zero. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Is you know, mm -hmm. we, we can't help it as people to have expectations and desires. And we want our horse to feel, we want our horse to be relaxed. We want these things. However, sometimes our intention of, of, of overhelping, if you will, or um, 
actually gets in the way. And it's, you know, it's so much easier for me to work with somebody else's horse because I'm not emotionally involved and I can just step back and observe and then yeah, <laughs> point it out. I think it's, it's, it's so true because we do want the best for our horse, especially when it's our horse. Mm -hmm. And then we get in our own way. Right. Because we put too much expectations on a horse that our horse versus a horse we just met for the first time. And we're like, Hey, I'm here to help you out. We have, we just met. It's all good. And yeah. they're like, you're great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then that's where the unfortunate part is like the owner sometimes be like, my horse likes you better than he likes me. <laughs> and it's like, well, we're yeah. neutral territory. Yeah. Like we yeah. don't have all your experiences. So he's like, you show up and yet, Hey, you're cool. Yeah. I want to hang out with you. Right. No, I, I, I've heard people say that too with Surefoot and, um, and it's just simply that we don't have the emotional attachment to the horse and they know it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, you can be in that very zero, very neutral place. And in fact, sometimes it's almost better to, to, I'm sure with horse speak too, is to work with someone else's horse yes. where you don't have that emotional attachment. So you're not kind of carrying forward unconsciously previous history baggage whatever you right can, you, you know it's a clean slate and you can go okay well let's see what happens when i do this oh that happens if i do this that happens okay cool right yeah as opposed to the expectations that we have and i'm just as guilty as the next person on that one you know i mean it's it's uh it's yeah. just human nature you know and we're you know we're females so we we have that mothering instinct and then we have a picture like this could be really good for you. If you just step on this pad, you're going to feel so much better. I've seen so many other horses do it and they have a profound change. And I want that for you. And they're like, I'm not doing that. Thank you for the offer. I can't. Yeah. 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 No, it's absolutely, you know, because uh, it's true. So, but you know, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I think we'll speak, speaking of, of pictures, I think that that's a really important, we don't talk about that, us, we don't talk, but I think we all know about it. Um, mm -hmm. That one of the things that makes, that gives us an advantage is I have a picture in my head mm -hmm. of what green zone looks like, feels like, smells like, acts like, and I, inside myself, I see whatever the horse is doing in front of me. And I, I look past that red zone stuff or that frozen stuff or slushy stuff. And I'm like, Inside of you, there's a green zone and I can see it because all horses want it. Yeah. I know that horses don't want to be right, stressed. We have another cat attack. <laughs> I know horses want to be, they want to be happy. They want to be content. You see that when you step up, I watched you step up to all these different horses that you don't know or horses with riders on them. And in your mind, you're like, you're going to like this. Not because you have an emotional attachment, like you're going to like this, but because in your head, you're looking at the horse and you're already, because of your ability to see um, an anatomy, you're already going, hmm, left hind, this, da, ba, da, ba, da, ba. let's try this, let's try that. And it's like that clean, neutral place, but you're also holding the potential in your mind. So rather than an agenda, which is it has to look like this little piece in order for me to know I've succeeded, when you hold a, a picture of potential, it's like, Hmm, in this ballpark, you know, if we arrive in this ballpark, anything in that ballpark is going to be a step in the right direction. So we're looking at the potentiality of a situation instead of an agenda mind uh, where we can get into a fixation on it's got to look like this, or I don't know that I've had any success. You're the best at gray, gray zone versus it's black or white, you know? So that's where you are able to not have the agenda, but you do in a way have like a plan, but you're not attached to your plan. And I've seen you, you, you go so quickly into the direction of like, okay, horse, you need to go over here. And then how can we help you give the picture to kind of get you back over here? And it's, you know, it's uh, my turn, your turn when you're working with horses and um, yeah yeah and I think that's a really good point is that um and I I, I know for me when I'm teaching riding uh, I I see what the rider has the ability to do and don't get caught up with what they tell me they can't do right so riders want to tell me what you know that I I always ask them so they get it out of the way right um but it's recognizing that what they're telling me really isn't what's going 
on that's going to make the change. And so I just go over here and show them, hey, you know what, this is really actually quite easy and you can do this. Um, and then they're surprised in so many ways um, that they could make that shift. But it's really, it's that same thing with the horses. It's like, hey, yeah, you're over here, but I really know that you, you could be over here. How about giving it a shot? You know, that's it. Yeah, that's it. How about giving it a shot? And we have the the awareness, and this is for anybody listening, like if, if you can create a, a bubble of potential in your mind's eye about potentially, rather than I want you to feel better, but, and that secretly has an image attached to it. Yeah. Like the, the angels are singing and the sun is shining. And, you know, all this, this is very specific ideas in my head about what that will look like. And what we're coming at this from, because we, we have so many horses that we work with is that I, I'm looking at a horse going, you could end up anywhere in this space and anything in that space is going to be a good deal for you. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like any specific thing. It doesn't need to be precise. I know you're going to achieve something valuable for yourself. So for people who are here on the panel, when you're thinking like, okay, in my mind, my human mind, I want it to look like this. I'd like to go to a show this summer. And this is me with the smile and the blue ribbon la, and everyone's clapping. And then there's drinks afterwards. That's Ta-da! That's my. I've, I've arrived, arrived. <laughs> and that's my personal picture. And the horse is like, I can't get out of the stall. So <laughs> let alone get on a trailer. <laughs> I can't get in that big giant cave you call a riding arena, because like my personal picture. For instance, my horse. This is a personal story. My horse decided that the riding arena, we rode in it one day. It was delicious and wonderful and amazing. And, and it was just beautiful. And we went in I'm, the next day. I went in with like, we we're going to do that again. And he walked in the next day saying, I tried it. I've decided it's not for me. And, so, and we're doing all the, of course, he taught me horse speak. So he's teaching me another level of horse speak because just to throw it out there, we just moved our herd of right. five um, probably eight weeks ago, almost to the day actually. And so we're in a brand new place. place. The whole herd moved to a new naked property that had smells of other horses, including a stallion, but all those horses are gone. And so we picked up and moved and they've been planted in this other property for 13 years. So they've arrived at this new place in the dead of winter during frigid cold temperatures and had to deal with all this change. And I'm like, let's go riding in the indoor, which is a big cave and you're gonna love it. And, you, <laughs> and some of you ever have never been in an indoor arena before. Or a stall. <laughs> Isn't this wonderful? And our expectations, <laughs> like humanizing the whole thing, like my horse, <clears throat> she loved her three-sided shelter. That was like at our old house. She's like, I'm in there. I'm going to stay there all night. And that's great. And I'm like, you're going to freaking love a stall, dude. You're going to be locked in. No one can bother you. No one's going to steal your food, all this. And she's like, I hate I it. I don't like <laughs> this thing. And she's getting there. She's definitely getting there. Um, but yeah, it's been a, we're like flipped upside down right now because we're basically dealing with five brand new horses because we took them right out of their environment where they didn't play. They weren't. I hope you're, you're recording this and tracking it for, for experience, you know, for <laughs> another degree, webinar. Degree. Uh, amongst, we had to gut the house and redo yeah, the house. It's, so been, a it, it's been a whole thing. Since whole, the equine uh, affair, when we saw you, we've been on like a whirlwind of, it hasn't too it hasn't many stopped. experiences. It's been crazy. Yeah. But anyway, the, the bottom line is, so, so let's talk about this, this bubble of potential versus this agenda. And so I, my agenda is like, I want to start acclimating them to the indoor da, 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 da. and my bubble of potential is also there. So my bubble of potential is, will pop in and go, you know what, if they step foot in the indoor and are willing to talk about it with me, that's a good day. That's plenty. That's enough. And so when I'm in the bubble of potential, that's what, not only do I get them to step foot in the arena, they actually go in, they sniff it. I rode Rocky, but when I'm in the agenda mind and I'm like, this is what we're doing today. They're, they're like, no, we're not. So it's a great um, practice for, wow, which mind am I in? Because if I'm in the bubble mind, then anything we achieve is success. Yeah, right. But if I'm in the agenda mind, I'm constantly let down. Yeah. Wow. That's, you know, that's, 
That, that's really powerful because, you know, I can think of so many times when I've come home from teaching and I like have two weeks to ride my horses and I want to get this done and I have an agenda. And of course, you know, they're not so sure that that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we had, right. this, we had this moment where I've been practicing leading the four horses basically through a human sized door. Oh, and wow. so, yeah. and I have them all four on lead ropes and I've had some beautiful experiences with them and all this. So Sharon's like, let's get it on film. And Laura, <laughs> why don't you talk to the camera while you're doing while it? You're doing it. Cause you've been doing this every night now for eight weeks. So yeah. you should be able to talk to the camera about what you're doing. Yeah. No, nope. Jagger was like, no, she said, <laughs> no way. Am I getting on a lead rope with you? You're not grounded. You're talking. You're not focused. No. And I think so you're then, gonna have to film it and do voiceover. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we did. I did film it anyway. I filmed yeah. it anyway, and it, it is just jagger cool because yeah, it's actually pretty what happened. Other horses were like, get in line. They like went after her. <laughs> they they herded her around. They brought her to, literally corralled her. Wouldn't yep. let her leave. Brought her to Laura. Put your day. You want to go her. in? Get it on. Get in track. You yes. know. Sharon, you're just filming from a distance, and I'm not gonna talk. You just film it and that's what we're doing. It's going to be all natural and boom, it was fantastic. And I even slipped a little bit on the ice. Everything worked out beautifully. Yep. And last night, which I wish was filmed because it was, it's so icy around here. It's crazy. And I said, look, horses, <laughs> we need to be easy with each other because it's out loud. very, yeah, I'm talking to them out loud. We have to be nice and easy because it's so icy yeah. and it was amazing. She's just, leading four horses out of human size gate. It's really like maybe a three and a half feet wide at the most. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I, I need to go out. We all, we have to fit through here. We all have to deal. And she's, yeah, you know, marionetting them. Yeah. Exactly. Not on like a 12 foot lead rope. The other one's on normal size lead ropes. So yeah, it's like how they work with each other as well as how I can orchestrate them um, to get through there and put the four horses in and stall. And she's course. definitely... You're in bubble mind when you're doing that because oh, yeah. you're in potential. Like it's it's all gonna be you're picturing. I'm picturing everything's it's, gonna, it's be, gonna great. be great. Yeah. And and anything that happens is interesting. It's all good. Yeah. And, but when we were in agenda mind, let's get it on film. Nightmare. It was such a, you know, <laughs> it was so fascinating to just have such Love a it. different experience because I was in my head yeah. versus in my body, grounded. Here we go, guys. I mean, yeah, and that it is dangerous taking four horses through a small door on the ice. On the ice, you yeah. know, no, they, they need to cooperate. You know, so, yeah. um, and and they can, and they can, and that's the thing that's so interesting is that yes, they can as long as we're in that space. It that is about us. It's not your horse. It's you. <laughs> so, and that was like the keynote, you know, of me not being the place that they needed me to be. And then of course it was my horse who was like, no, it's always her horse. <laughs> you know, I think this is why one of the reasons we love animals is it keeps us humble. And just when we think we've got everything all buttoned up and everything's smooth, there's, you know, this little uh, twist that comes along and um, absolutely. Yeah. It's always really fun. So we're, we're really looking forward to what the weather warming up and you can, I don't know if you have Wi-Fi on your farm. Do you have Wi-Fi in your farm? Yeah, um, we do. Cause it'd be great. We just, um, uh, yesterday, uh, we went to spy coast farm on zoom and she gave us a tour of their facility and we got to watch a horse in a saltwater treadmill, which was so cool. And they showed Very us from cool. all different angles. So it'd be really fun when the weather's a little bit better and you don't have to deal with ice. Um, to take a tour to see your new place sure yeah, yeah. that'd be great yeah it'll absolutely be fun. the horses haven't you're... even taken a tour yet because it's been under snow the whole time i was gonna say yeah so how much snow do you have right now we had a good we amount but a, now we've had this now sheer rain ice. we've had rain and rain and rain and then hot and then melt and then hot and then, <sighs> and then cold and then it freezes yeah so we have like a skating rink for a yard. So it's just yeah. been really, I have paths tough. that are out of shavings right now because it's literally that icy. Um, yeah. and luckily with, we don't use hay nets or anything, especially in the winter. And so all of the, the hay is now their walking zone out in their pasture. So, yeah, then, so we'll wait until it looks pretty. Yeah. Right now it's, 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 really fine. It's, 
I, mean, I, I lived in New Hampshire, so I get it. And mud scenes is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. But it's. <laughs> I saw the pause, um, but, but it's great. And, you know, like starting up on a new place, there's, there is a ton to do. There's a ton to do, but this is going to be fantastic because I assume once this, you've got things a little more organized, the weather gets better. You're going to be doing workshops at the farm. Yes. That's the, that's goal. the goal. That's the goal. Does it have a name? Um, well, right now we do have, it's Wilsey way farm, you know, but we, ha and we have a little sign. Um, that I don't know if you actually noticed that I hung the sign. I didn't know. Oh, okay. That's how much like, we've been, you know, like not being able to yes. communicate with each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, for now it's, we'll see way, whereas this envisioning it being, you know, like a four speak, like farm, but we don't have, farm. we don't have like a name for the property, no. which I'd like to have a name for the property, but it hasn't dawned on us. So that's okay. It'll come, you know, you got to give that time sometimes to kind of get kind of feel it out and and see what comes you know what comes in um but I, i'm really looking forward to, to visiting um i'm gonna be up in new hampshire in july so that would be a great Again. oh good yeah let's get that on the calendar so then we can be sure that yeah that I'm would pretty be awesome sure. i'll send you guys my dates for, for new hampshire um, oh great yeah so figure that out but this has been awesome as always. And we've blown through our hour, which is just so easy to do with you guys. It's always so much fun. Um, and, you know, we never know where we're going to go, but it's always interesting. And that's what I love about um, having a chat with you guys. <laughs> and we, I think we gave our audience some value today. From yeah. the compliments, you know, any of the comments in the chat and whatever. And Joe has been an amazing, um, you know, Joey, contributor. Joey face was here. <laughs> He's huge, isn't he? He's just a floppy. He's just, a, he's just one of these, like, <laughs> as long as you're touching me, you no. know, like, he's just one of these type of. This cat cats. is not like him. This no. is Raja, who's your Faja. Uh, and he is the baby of the pride. But he's he's a little bit of a mischief, mischievous. This yeah. guy is, is special. He, he kind of had his, like, daddy, uncle, brother, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay. So yeah. he's very, he's special. He yeah. is, but he's adorable. He's really oh, he's yeah, adorable. He's great. He's the alarm clock, five in the morning. Oh, yes. No, I have one of those that um, does micropuncture. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, just in case you need it. <laughs> and, uh, this morning, actually, we'll be posting it on our YouTube page. Um, had an amazing experience. Our grandson is actually here today. And he has a little uh, train that is a battery operated train. And Rondo, the queen of the universe, our my black kitty, she was in a little basket. And so Jackson picked up the basket and I did have to help him. Uh, and we put it on his wagon of the train and Rondo stayed in the basket well, for like drove five minutes around <laughs> the, kitchen. the kitchen. He's like bumping into stuff, having to turn it around. And she's just sitting in the basket. So oh, uh, you're going to post that on Facebook? We're gonna, yeah, I'm gonna post it. I just haven't had time yet. We've had some things going on. Today, and uh, so. let's see, Mar Marley said, thank you. Potential mind is something I will work on. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think everybody probably can do it. I think if you've done anything with animals for any length of time, you've learned that it doesn't serve you to get too stuck in an agenda because you know of everything we've said. Yeah. But just having a term for it, like that's one of the beauties of being a human being is we can have these discernment. Yep. And so having a, a term to create discernment and then say, aha, what we mean is this versus this. It just gives us a better way to um, internally manage uh, what's going on. Because if, if you just kind of, otherwise you're just kind of shooting darts. You're like some days it works, some days it doesn't work. And I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So that's and it's the fun other to come up with terms. Beautiful thing is like, because we have this mind that every day is a new day and every moment is an opportunity to make a change to notice like i'm going to try this potential mind today and see what happens mm -hmm. you know and we just we're free to be able to do what we want when we want it and do our best to stay in that gray zone because that's where it's going to keep us like in that potential mind because as soon as we get in that black and white thinking trying to film the thing that is going to look great for our audience it's you know that's where we're falling and then, short and then you you know it's really funny so so anybody who's ever been in production you, there's like a 30 second of, of of what they call hero shot rule and out of 
You might take 700 photographs to get your one hero shot that happened in one 30 second interval. And that's what gets posted. And everybody goes, wow. Yeah. But the rest of the 700, the, the 699 shots were bunk. So just so that you know. <laughs> no, it's so true. I have thousands of videos from the safari, but there's like only three that I'll show people, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, all right, guys. So it's so great to talk to you. We'll tune in and we'll get you back next month because it's just really great. See what you're doing and uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And just remember, you can find this and all the other webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Have a great weekend. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah.